Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship you through the word. We ask you to guide and lead us and show us what you'd want us to see from this section. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're continuing in 1 Chronicles chapter 23. David has been planning to build the temple. He has stored away tons of silver and gold, uh, which we talked about last week. He's commissioned Solomon to, to get the job done. And now we get to see other practical stuff that he does. And I don't know how far we're going to get into this. We might cover two or three chapters today. Uh, because there's not a whole lot to say on, on this section. We're on a genealogy for all practical purposes. So, starting at uh, chapter 23, verse 1. So when David was old and full of days, he made Solomon his son king over Israel. And he gathered together all the princes of Israel and the priests and the Levites. Now the Levites were numbered from the age of 30 years and upward, and the number by their poles, man by man, was 38,000 of which 24,000 were set forward to work of the house of the Lord, and 6,000 were officers and judges. Moreover, 4,000 were porters, and 4,000 praised the Lord with the instruments which I have made, says David, to praise therewith. And David divided them into courses among the sons of Levi, namely Gershom, Kohath, and Morari. So we're going to stop there. David is kind of organizing things. He's He's getting the temple. He's helping his son get everything ready to go. So that when the temple is built, everybody is all set to go. And they did their little poll tax. This time they did it right. They called the, the, the Levites together. They paid their, paid their toll. And he finds out there's 38,000 Levites. That's a lot of priests and workers in the temple. And so he's going to divide them up. And he says... 24,000 were put into work in the temple. They were going to offer sacrifices, clean, do the cleaning, do the, do the, do the uh, everything that needs to be done. And he put 6,000 of them to be in charge of judging. Now, we have a court system that is handled outside of religion. Their court system was handled by the Levites. So he picked 6,000 Levites to be judges over Israel. Uh, as king, he was basically the Supreme Court, but all the smaller cases were handled by the priests. And so he's got that going on. And then he has 4,000 that he made porters. Now, porters are the keepers of the gates. They were the guards of the gate, the keepers of the gate. And he set up 6,000, excuse me, 4,000, to be singers. David had made an arrangement for there to be singing in the temple 24 hours a day by these group of people, starting out with 4,000 of them, which is quite a bit of singers. That's quite a crowd, a, quite a choir. And that's enough to keep them singing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so he sets up 4,000 to be singers. And so all of this was going on, and he was able, and they were the people that could handle the instruments that, which says, which I have made. So David was apparently not only just a singer and a player of instruments, he created instruments uh, or made instruments as well, according to what this says. And it says, David divided them into courses among the, sa the sons of Levi, or divisions. We're going to find out as we go deeper into this chapter, he's going to make 24 divisions of Levites. 
He's going to break them all up into 24 sections. There were 24,000 to serve in, inside there, so it's about 1,000 people per section, uh, per division. It's a lot of people to serve inside the temple. And when you read the dimensions of the temple, the dimension wasn't, the temple wasn't really a huge, huge thing. Uh, and so there's not a whole lot of room, but he's going he's to assign up to 1,000 people per division to serve in the temple. And then he gives the children the names of the children of Levi, which are Gershom, Kohath, and Meroi. If you want to know more about them, you can go back to Numbers chapter 3 uh, to find out more about what each one of those tribes did and who their children are. And so these are the people that are going to be divided up. Um, so starting at verse 7, of the Gershomites were Lahadan and Shimei, and the sons of Lahadan, the chief was Mehiel and Zetham and Joel, three, the sons of Shimei, Shelomith, and Haziel, and Haran, three. These were the chief and the fathers of Laadan, and of the sons of Shimei were Jahath, Jinnah, and Jeush, and Berah. These four were the sons of Shimei, and Jahath was the chief, and Zilath the second, but Jeush and Berah had not many sons, therefore they were in one reckoning according to their father's house. So here we have the list of the Gershomites by their key families. And I hope I get these names somewhat close to what they're supposed to be, but I just follow the accent marks and try to do the best I can. So we're listing 13 major families for the Gershomites. And then we go into the Kohath, a Kohaths. And the first one he's listing on that is in verse 12. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel, four sons of Amran. The sons of Amran, Aaron and Moses, and Aaron was separated or consecrated that he should sanctify the most holy things, and he and his sons forever to burn incense before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless in his name forever. Now concerning Moses, the man of God, his sons were named, were named of the tribe of Levi. The sons of Moses were Gershom and Eliezer, and the sons of Gershom, Shebuel, was the chief, and the sons of Eliezer were Rahabah, the chief, and Eliezer had none other sons, but the sons of Rahabath were very many. Of the sons of Izhar, Shelomith, the chief, and of the sons of Hebron, Jeriel, the first, and Amariah, the second, and Jahaziel, the third, and Jechmenam, the fourth, and the sons of Uziel was Micah, the first, and Jesiah, the second. So we have the sons of Kohath, or the families of Kohath, numbering seven without Moses' two children, and they would, uh, that would bring it to nine. Uh, and Aaron's children were not 
recorded because they were set aside. They were not to be counted amongst the Levites as a people. So we look at this and we see in verse 13, the sons of Aaron were Aaron, uh, Amron were Aaron and Moses, and Aaron was separated or sanctified. He was set aside and that he should uh, sanctify the most holy things. In other words, he went, his family was the ones that were allowed to go into the holy of holies. And he's also the one that is able to go into the holy place. And that's what it says in the next place, to burn incense before the Lord. So you have the holy of holies, which has the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat in it. You have the holy place, which has the altar of incense, the altar of showbread, and the menorah in it. And the priest, Aaron's sons, were the ones that went into both of those locations. Nobody else was allowed to go then in there. And the high priest, once a year, went into the holy of holies. And the Levites did the work outside of the holy place and the holy of holies. So this is, this is why Aaron is set aside. These other families are going to be how they're going to split up the work into these 24 divisions that they're going to be split up into. And so Aaron is set aside and is a special character. Moses gets two family, two groups of families in this. Uh, and there's a total of nine Kohathites that are going, uh, families of Kohath that are going to work in this division. And then we go into verse 21. The sons of Merari, Malai, Mushi, the sons of Eli were Eliezer and Kish. And Eliezer died and had no sons but daughters, and their brethren of the sons of Kish took them. And the sons of Mushi and Muhai and El Elder and Jeromoth were three. So here we have Mirai only has seven families as well. Now you're going, well, what's the big deal of, these, of this whole process going on? Well, in Numbers chapter 3, verses 17 through 37, the, temp the tabernacle had been built. They're wandering in the wilderness. And these three families were all given jobs to do of moving the tabernacle stuff. So you had Gershom, which was responsible for all the coverings and the cords and the hangings and the doors. And they had to move all of those, all those things every time they moved the, moved the tabernacle. Kohath was responsible for carrying the ark and the tables and the altars once the high priest had put the staffs into them and covered them. So they, and they were to carry those items. And so, and Murai was responsible for all the boards and the bars that held the walls together and the stands. And so we, we look at this, for many, many years, the Levites have had nothing to do because they have not really moved the temple. They're hanging around in case the tabernacle needs to be moved. And David's attitude is, okay, we're going to not move the tabernacle anymore. So you guys are out of a job. <laughs> but God has made you his tribe, so we need to find you something to do. So he's going to, in this chapter, give them something to do for the rest of their days. And so David's being practical. He's taking God's people who are now getting lazy because there's nothing really to do. They're not moving the temple around, so they're just hanging around the, their, the cities that they've been gi given and farming and they're doing teaching and stuff like they're doing what they're supposed to but they're not having anything to minister to God because the priests were doing that 
And so David says, okay, we need to find you something to do. And so his first part was he gave them, he split them up into porters and, and singers and, and servers inside the, the tabernacle and, and overseers. So he's given them specific jobs. The huh? The Levites. Yeah, the priests are still the priests. They're, he's not given the priests because the priests have a job. And they've been operating, even with the ta- tabernacle where it is, they've been operating. The were Levites. The Levites were, the priests were the tribe of Aaron who are Levites, but they're not, they're a special class of Levites, but not all Levites are priests. Because you have to be of the family of Aaron to be a priest. So we have all of this going on. They're, num- they're getting very large. 38,000 of them, few too many to be ministering in the tabernacle. Because uh, the tab- tabernacle was only something like 300 feet by, by 50 or 75 feet, and you know, put 38,000 people in there, you're going to be filled up just putting the Levites in there and no worship. So David says, we got a problem. <laughs> All right? Um, and we see by Jesus' time, they're still following this process. And we have Zechariah, who's in the eighth division of, Lev- of priests. And it says that he was very old and he finally gets his chance, his one chance, <laughs> because their names were drawn by Lot, to go in and take care of the menorah. He was to put oil in the menorah, and he was delayed <laughs> in coming out, and people were going, what's going on? And that's when the angel saw him and told him he was going to give birth to a child, and he questioned, why, why should I believe? And he goes, I'm Gabriel, and I stand before God, and you won't be able to speak until this child is born, and you're, by the way, you're going to name him John. <laughs> um, so all of that happens, and by Jesus' day, there's... Yeah, there's several thousand priests right now, so by the time they get to there, and there's so many that you probably never, hardly ever got to take care of the holy place or the holy of holies. Uh, seems like it only had to be the high priest that went into the holy of holies. So we have this process going on, and so we have this identification of 29 different families that are represented by the Levites. Verse 24, and the sons of Levi, after the house of their fathers, even the chief of their fathers, as they were counted by the numbers of names by their poles, that did the work of the service of the house of the Lord from the age of 20 years and upward. And David said unto the Lord God of Israel, the Lord God of Israel hath given rest unto his people, that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also unto the Levites, that they shall no more carry the tabernacle, nor any vessels of it for service thereof. For by the last words of David, the Levites were numbered from 20 years old and above because their offices were to wait on the sons of Aaron and on the service of the house of the Lord in the courts and in the chambers and in the purifying of all the holy things and in the work of the service of the house, both for the showbread and for the fine flour for meal offering and for the unleavened cakes and for that which was baked in the pan and that which was fried in all manner of measures and size and to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at the evening, and to offer all burnt sacrifices unto the Lord in the Sabbath, in the, Sabbaths, in the new moons, and the set feast, by number according to their order commanded unto them continually before the Lord, and that they should keep charge of the tabernacle of the congregation, and that the charges of the holy place, and the charge of the sons of Aaron for their brethren in the service of the house of the Lord." So David is, here we just see what I have kind of laid out. David's numbered them up, says there's a lot of them. <laughs> and he says, okay, you no longer have to carry the tabernacle. 
that's coming to Jerusalem. We're going to build a temple. It will be the last time that they have to carry anything. Matter of fact, they probably don't even have to carry it from where it was because it's not going to need to be reset back up. All we have to do is have the Kohathites go and carry the Ark of the Covenant, you know, carry the ministering materials up to Jerusalem. And so all of this is going on, and he says that the Levites shall no more carry the tabernacle nor any vessels of service thereof. And in verse 28 it says, because your office was to wait on the sons of Aaron and to serve, service the house of the Lord in the courts and in the chambers and in the purifying of all holy things and the work of the service of the house of God, both the showbread, the fine, fine flour for meal offering and, the, and for the unleavened bed, and then all the stuff that got baked and cooked and fried. So he goes, your job is going to be real simple. In the temple, you're going to take care of everything outside to, be, to make it simple. Uh, you're going to clean everything that needs to be cleaned. You're going to take care of the, the flour that needs to be used to make the showbread and, and anything else that needs to be done. You get to do all of those menial tasks. And what is he saying? Your brothers, the priests, are working on the inside. You're working on the outside. And you're to do whatever they need done. And this is David's statement on, on where, they're, where they're going to be at. Uh, it goes, you no longer have a job moving the tabernacle. We're going to give you a new job. And it's technically not a new job because even in the tabernacle, that's what they started at. When the tabernacle was first built, you only had three priests. You had Aaron and his sons. Uh, well, he had four sons and two of them. Uh, 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 Nadab and Abihu died on the first day of the tabernacle being built. So there's only three priests and then a handful of Levites. So the Levites did everything other than offer sacrifices. And on days when they had the, the festivals and everybody was offering sacrifices, the Levites would help kill the animals and skin the animals. And the, and the priest would just put them on the fire and, and everything. So they were to take care of the inside. They were to clean everything. They were to take care of the meal, the, the fine flour, which we would consider white flour, kind of like we make today, as opposed to the crushed flour and everything. The fine flour was probably equivalent to our flour, all the husks and, and all the stuff taken out of it. And our, our flour is very fine, and uh, well, ours is even bleached, so there's nothing in it. <laughs> but he goes, they're to take care of all that. And I like this in verse 30. And they are to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise in the evening. Their job was to say prayers every morning and every night, welcoming the day and, and saying, you know, praying, praying the day out. And it's probably not the same set, of course, but you know, they were, that was their job. As, as Levites, they were to help out wherever needed, and they were, to do, they were to do the prayers and thanksgiving and songs and whatever. And you know, when we say this thing, you know, we think of being able to pray and say what we want. The Jewish people pretty much had prayer books and they followed certain prayers. So every morning they would say the same prayer. Every evening they said the same prayer. Uh, it's kind of like some of the churches that say the, uh, uh, our father every single time they meet. And it gets to the place, and I have a problem with this, and so did Jesus. He says, don't be repetitious in your, in your worship because what ends up happening when we are repetitious is we stop thinking about what we're doing. Are you even listening to what you're saying? Are you thinking about what you're saying? They go on and on, and they're not even thinking. It's just 
part of what they do. Now, I don't criticize people for that because we do the same thing oftentimes when we're singing songs. We just, we know the songs and we just aren't thinking about the songs, which is why I oftentimes I will point out certain phrases in a song and say, did you, did you really think about that song? Did you hear this song? Did you think about this particular verse, this particular statement? Sometimes I ask, do you remember the story that this song referred to? It's kind of funny, you know, that, uh, you know, and we, we have all these different references in the hymns of all these different songs that people don't pay attention and don't question. And so we want to be able to understand these things and look at it. And it says, you will be in charge of the temper, tabernacle of the congregation, and, uh, and they should be in charge of the tabernacle of the congregation, in charge of the holy place, and, and you shall take charge of the sons of Aaron and serve the house. So they were to take care of Aaron's, Aaron's family and help them in everything they needed. All right, moving on to chapter 24. There's not a whole lot here other than going into some of the history, so we're going to hopefully get two or three chapters done today. All right, verse 20, uh, chapter 24. Now these are the divisions of the son of Aaron, sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were, were Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ith- Ithamar, but Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eliezer and Ithahar executed the priest's office. And David distributed them both Zadok, the sons of Eliezer, and Ahimelech, the son of Ithamar, according to their offices of their, in their service. And there were more chief men found in the sons of Eliezer than in the sons of Ithar. Thus they were divided. Among the sons of Eliezer, there were 16 chief men of the house and their fathers, and eight among the sons of Ithamar, according to the house of their fathers. Thus they were divided by lot, one sort for one with, for another, with, one, with another, for governors for the sanctuary and governors of the house of God were the sons of Eliezer and the sons of Ithamar. And Shehemiah, the son of Nathaniel, the scribe, one of the Levites, wrote them before the king and the princes and Zadok the priest and Ahimelech, the son of Abathar, and before the chief of the fathers of the priests of the Levites, one principal houseward being taken of Eliezer and one taken from Ithamar. So you look at here and in Eliezer's family there were 16 major tribes. And in Ithamar, there were eight major tribes, which gives you 24 divisions that were going to be made on here. So we look at this, and it says in verse 7, Now the first lot came forth of Jehoiarib, the second for Jediah, the third for Harim, the fourth for Sheerim, the fifth for Malchiah, and the sixth to Mizrim, the seventh to Hakk cost, the eighth to Abijah, the ninth to Jeshua, the tenth to Shechaniah, the eleventh to Eliashib, the twelfth to Jachim, the thirteenth to Hupah, the fourteenth to Jeshebiab, the fifteenth to Bilgah, the sixteenth to Immer, the seventeenth to Hezer, the eighteenth to Aphsis, the 19th to Pethahiah, the 20th to Jehoiakim, 
the 21st to Jachim, the 22nd to Kabul, the 23rd to Dehaliah, the 24th to Mezahiah. These were the orders of them that in their service to come into the house of the Lord according to the manner under Aaron their father as the Lord God of Israel had commanded him. All right, so read this whole list. The priests are divided into 24 groups by the chief families of each of, under each of those families. Now, this is kind of interesting that they are divided into 24, 24 divisions. The Jewish calendar is based on 12 years, uh, 12 years, 12 months, with 29 to 30 days in each month. And so that gives us the fact that there are 48 weeks that are covered in all of this uh, work, plus three weeks where they all work because it is the festival days and all of Israel is to come down. And on those three weeks, they needed all of them. So we've got 51 weeks covered every year for, for the priests. Now we know that there's 52 weeks in a year, a solar year. Uh, so these guys would work twice a year plus the, plus the festivals that all males had to go down for anyway, for one week at a time. And they would work from Sabbath to Sabbath, so they worked eight days. So during the Sabbath, they had double coverage of priests. And so they would come down, work for eight days, and then leave on the next, after the Sabbath of the next week that they served. Then they would go home, and they would come back 23 weeks later, or unless there was a one of the big holidays, might be 25 or 26, and they would come back and serve for another week. In the Jewish calendar, they have a leap year, frequently, <laughs> that they add an entire month to balance their calendar. Now, their leap year is not every four, year, four years like ours. Uh, they have a 19-year rotation on their, on their leap year. So they have a leap year... 19. So they have a leap year on the 3rd, 6th, 8th, 11th, 14th, 17th, and 19th year. So they can keep the months that they have their holidays in the right place. They have spring holidays, and the spring holidays have to be in spring. So they always have to bring this month back into alignment because they are following a lunar calendar of... Uh, tw uh, for four, basically four weeks <laughs> and the sun the solar is 52 weeks so we don't have an even amount so there's technically in every month there's uh, three, uh, 4.3 days <laughs> in it for the solar calendar uh, 4.3 weeks to have for the solar calendar so we have to add an extra day every, every four years <coughs> because of that extra time that is being, being recorded, because their months don't even come close. Their, their months are off by 11 days to the solar calendar. Every few years, they have to add an entire month in there to bring the spring holidays back in line to spring and the fall holidays into fall. So if you've noticed, if you pay any attention to the Jewish holidays, you'll know that Passover does not fall anywhere close to Easter most of the time. 
and Easter should be following it on Passover because that's what we're celebrating, the resurrection of Jesus, which should be the Sunday after Passover, and it very rarely is. And because they're on a lunar calendar and we're on a solar calendar. And, you know, this is a problem. And if you pay attention to the fall holidays, it's kind of interesting. September, October usually have the fall, October, uh, fall holidays, and even though they fall on the same date on the Jewish calendar, they fall all over the place on our, on our calendars. Uh, so it's, it's kind of interesting to watch and see how all of this works. But we have this whole process where these guys only served in the temple five times a year. Three of them are the holidays when all of them would come together, and two of them were when their, when their division was assigned to work at the temple. Now, what did they do the rest of the time? Well, they went back to their cities, and they farmed and, and took care of their animals, and they were supposed to be teachers of the law in their, in their towns that they were settled in. Now, whether they did or not is another story because the Israelites kept falling away from God so often. Uh, so many times they weren't doing their job. And many times they didn't even go to the temple because the people weren't bringing their tithes and offerings in to support them in the first place. So many times they didn't even go to the temple because the people were so fallen away from God that the temple fell into a total wreck. And we saw, see at least two instances where kings rise up and they clean up the... They spend a month or more, uh, a month to a year cleaning out the garbage that had been put into the, and I don't know if it literally was garbage or refuge or it was just, we have no place else to put this table, put it in the, put in the temple, you know, there's no place else to put this chair and they're probably broken, broken, run down things. Ah, just put them in the temple there. You know, we're not using it anyway. Just put all the stuff in the temple. <laughs> I don't think they literally just threw all the garbage that they could find in dumped it in there, but that could be also what they did because it took a long time sometimes to get rid of everything that they put into the temple. And, you know, because the people just did not support the priests. Because the priests got their money from the tithes and offerings of the people. And remember when we went through Exodus Leviticus numbers, we talked about how the people gave their tithes, they, the Levites got those, they gave 10% of what they got to the, to the priest, and then the priest gave a tenth to the high priest. And then the high priest, I assume, gave a tenth to, to God. Uh, so it was kind of a rolling up, and there were fewer people at each level, so each person got you know, only a tenth of it, everything, but they ended up getting quite a bit because it was a tenth to a much smaller group. And all of this was supposed to happen, and mo most of the time it didn't happen. If there wasn't a good king encouraging people to worship God, they didn't always go into the temple and do what they were supposed to. And that was part of the problem that happened with Israel. All right. Where did I leave off? Well, very much like what's happening nowadays. Okay. Sorry, I lost my place. Did I read it all the way down to 24? No. Okay, 31. All right, stop to 31. Likewise, these likewise cast lots over against their brethren to the sons of Aaron in the presence of David the king and Zadok and 
Ahimelech, the chief of the fathers of the priests and Levites, even the prince father, prin principal fathers overall against their younger brethren. No, I didn't get that far, sorry. Verse 20. <laughs> yeah. Verse 20, chapter 24, verse 20. And the rest of the sons of Levi were these, the sons of Amran, Shubael, the sons of Shubael were Jehadiah, Con concerning Rehabiah, the sons of Rehabiah, the first was Ishiah, of, of the Izharites were Shelomoth, and of the sons of Shelomoth, Jahath, the sons of Hebron were Jeriah the first, Amariah the second, and Ahazaziel the third, and Jechamiam the fourth, and the sons of Uziel, Michael, Micah, the sons of Micah were Shamir, the brother of Makah was Ishiah, the sons of Ishiah was Zechariah, the sons of Moriah Mar were Mali and Mushi, the sons of Jaaziah, Beno, and the sons of Maraiah, the by Jahaziah, Beno, and Shuham, and Zakur and Ibram and Mahai begat Eliezer who had no sons concerning Kish the sons of Kish the son of Kish was Merah-Miel the sons of Mishi and Ma-Li Ma and Ider and Jerimoth these were the sons of the Levites after the house of their fathers these likewise cast lots over against their brethren and the sons of Aaron in the presence of the king of and Zadok and Amalek and chief of the fathers of the priests and the Levites even the principal fathers over against their younger brethren so here we have the list of the rest of the Levites and they're going to be broken up into 24 divisions and their job is to help the help the priests so they take these 38,000 Levites and they divide them all up and put them into different groups 38,000 from the very from the previous chapter, uh, twenty-four thousand are serving, so it's going thousand per per group here. If it broke out exactly even, remember they're going by families, so I'm I'm dividing the twenty-four thousand by by twenty-four and assuming that it's pretty close to a thousand uh, people per. There might have been eight hundred in one and twelve hundred in another, but pretty close on average, probably a thousand people per per family. So, yeah, the priests that are divided up by 24, you're having the Levites divided up by 24 groups. So, each of these people are just working five times a year. You know, quite a, quite a good job, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If you're really following God, though, that may not sound so good. <laughs> but, again, these guys were supposed to be working in their communities as teachers and, and, and everything as well. So, they weren't just working... Five days, a, you know, five five weeks a year. They should have been, you know, teachers within their synagogues and their and their local communities and and being God's people in front of them. All right, chapter twenty-five. Moreover, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the son the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jeduthun who should prophesy with harps and psalteries and with cymbals and the number of workmen 
according to their services was. Of the sons of Asaph, Zekur, and Joseph, and Nethaniah, and Asariah, the sons of Asaph under the hands of Asaph, which prophesied according to the order of the king, and Jeduthun, the sons of Jeduthun, Gedaliah, and Ziri, and Jeshuiah, and Hashiabaiah, and Matithaah, six under the hands of their father, Jeduthun, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks unto the, and praise to the Lord. Of Heman, the sons of Heman, Bukiah, Matiniah, Uziel, Shebuel, Jehurmath, Hananiah, Hanani, Eliatha, Gidati, Roma, Tezer, Josh, Bechesher, Malothai, Hother, and Mahazioth. All these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer, in the words of the God, to lift up the horn. And God gave to Hermon fourteen sons and three daughters. All these were under the hands of their father for song in the house of the Lord, even cymbals, psalteries, and harps, for the service of the house of God, according to the king's order, to Asaph, Jeduthun, and Hermon. So the number of them and their brethren that were instructed in the songs of the Lord were all they that that were cunning was 248, or 80, 88, excuse me, 288. So here we have this assignment of families to sing. Now I sure hope every member of that family could sing or play an instrument. Uh, can you imagine if you were assigned to play the instrument and you were tone deaf? Or you were, you know, you know, maybe you were, if that was the case, maybe you were assigned to clean the instruments. <laughs> I don't know. But here we have 288 members who were just there to sing and play instruments. And we see here, it says that they should prophesy. Now, we, when we hear the word prophesy, most people think of telling the future. But in the scriptures, prophecy isn't just telling the, speak, the future, it is to speak with the authority of God, or to teach, or in this case, sing, sing the songs that have the authority of God. So it wasn't that these guys prophesied necessarily when they would get to singing and, and, and teaching, they spoke with authority, uh, and they taught with authority. They basically were taught the songs that David gave them, and many of David's songs were prophecies. So they would give prophecies in song, uh, in psalms. But they would play, and I kind of think this is so interesting, harps, psalteries, which are probably more like guitars or, or lyres. Uh, cymbals were some of their instruments. I think it's very funny when I go to a church and people get upset that a guitar is played in church or drums are played in church or cymbals or a tambourine are in church. And it's like, well, you know what? The Bible talks about those instruments all the time. Well, if it's not, well, it used to be, if it's not an organ, it doesn't belong in the church. Now, it's, if it's not a piano, it doesn't belong in the church. And we're seeing all these things, you know, I would love to see a church that has an entire orchestra 
And then, you know, he had this other family, and they, they did the same thing, and, they, and it says they prophesied with a harp. And then the last one comes back to symbols, psalteries, and harps. So we have all these, even the harps that they talk about were more like guitars than what we would think of the classical harp with all those strings on it. Uh, so we have all this stuff going on. And these individuals were to lead the singing constantly in the, temp in the temple. That was their job. Just worship in the temple. And I don't know what that would have been like. I, you know, Asaph, we, heard, we hear a lot about. He wrote several psalms in, in the book of Psalms. The other ones I don't know that I've heard of. Herman, Heman, I think, or uh, he, Heman, I think I've seen his name in Psalms a couple of times. The other guy uh, is Jerathun. I don't think I've ever seen him, his name in the Psalms. Well, you have prophets who actually prophesy the future. You have prophets that declare the doom, doom on, on it. I mean, prophecy was anybody who spoke with the authority of God. And it's hard enough just telling, you know, speaking of authority by God, because you think about even Nathan. When David said, I want to build a, God a, a temple, Nathan's first words were, do what your heart desires. It's a good thing. It sounds good to me. Go ahead and do it. And on his way out, he says, go back and tell David he's not building my, a temple to me. So, you know, even there, when you're speaking with the authority of God, you need to be careful because it's hard because Nathan was the prophet. He goes, okay, David, sounds really good. Go ahead and build this temple. And I really do believe that in America, we're going to suffer persecutions up to and including executions and martyrdom. We need to prepare our hearts and our minds for that to happen. Because right now, most of America is not ready for that kind of a judgment to fall. Because we've never, we've never found the American church is weak and anemic at best. And many of them aren't even Christians in the, in the so-called Christians. And they're just going to fall away under any kind of persecution. And we'll have a remnant of true Christians evangelizing like we're supposed to and dying. But back to the last couple of verses so we can finish this chapter. <laughs> Seems how it's all names. <laughs> all right, uh, verse 8. And, and they cast lots, word, ward against ward, as well as the small as the great, the teacher as the scholar. Now the first lot came to Asaph, to Joseph, and the second to Gadliah, who was his brethren, and the, and the sons were twelve. And the third was Zuchar, and his sons and his brethren were twelve. And the fourth of Isri, his son and his brethren were, were twelve. And the fifth to Nethaniah, and his sons and his brethren were twelve. And the sixth to Bukhiah, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. And the seventh to Jeshaerah, he and his sons and brethren were twelve. The eighth to Jeshaiah, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. The ninth to Metaaniah, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. The tenth to Shimeel, and he, his son, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. The eleventh to Azariel, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. And the twelfth to Hashabiah, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. The thirteenth to Shubael, he and his sons and brethren were twelve. The fourteenth to Metaaniah, Matathia, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. The fifteenth to Jehemoth, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. The sixteenth to Hananiah, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. The seventeenth to Jashbechshah, he and his sons and his brethren were twelve. The eighteenth to Hanani, 
he and his sons and his brethren were 12. The 19th to Malothai, he and his sons and his brethren were 12. The 20th to Elishthai, he and his sons and his brethren were 12. The 21st to Hother, he and his sons and his brethren were 12. The 22nd to Gidaltai, he and his sons and his brethren were 12. The 23rd to Mahazoth, he and his sons and his brethren were 12. And the 24th was to Romathai Ezer, he and his sons and his brethren were 12. All right, so we're going to stop there talking about musicians. We'll talk about the porters next week. Uh, what do we find out on this is that God is a God of organization. He does not just say have chaos. There are a lot of Christians who feel like, well, I just need to show up and God will fill my mouth. He'll, do, he'll give us organization. But if you come that way, there's going to be a problem. God is a God of order. He is a God that has plans. Now, once in a while, you might come in without being prepared. But, you know, God is saying, I need you to be like me. He ordered this world. It was a chaotic place when he first created. He ordered it. He put night and light, and he put night and day. He put stars and moon and sun, and the, you know, put the stars in place. He put the plants and the animals and man, and, the, and they rested. He put order in there. He is a God of order. He, gives, he does everything in plans. This is why it's so interesting. I was reading an article where they were trying to figure out whether mathematics was designed or was something that was invented. And, you know, the thing about it is God is a God of order. I believe he put mathematics into everything that he did. And he put it in there. So the more we know about mathematics, the more we get to learn about our universe and God. And that's what physics is all about, is how does mathematics help us understand the universe? Did you say that that was the universal language? It still is in many ways. Uh, you know, math, mathematics, you know, all across the world, you use the same thing, as long as you can read the numbers. I mean, numbers aren't, but the math behind it is, the, the principles behind it, one plus one is always going to be two. Now, our schools are not trying to accept that fact anymore, but math is always math. And it is understood universally. And if there are any aliens out there, they would understand math. And then, so we have all of this process going on that is so important. So now we have the singers divided up into groups of 24. So we have the priests gathered in 24. We have the Levites, the rest of the Levites gathered in 24. We have the singers gathered in 20, groups of 24. And then we're going to find in the next chapter that the porters are grouped into 24. So you always worked with the same group of people Every time you, when you did report, you worked with the same group of people uh, because it was the same division that would come in. Now, granted, some of them, you know, the young guys would get to be 20, and then, then when I think it was 53, the Levites were to retire or to step down and let other young men take care of the, the, the heavy work, and they were to be the senior advisors. But you had the same group of people, for the most part, coming in every time you came in. You worked with the same people. You only worked with them a couple times a year, but <laughs> you had the same group of people so that you could get a organization and, and grouping together. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and care for us. We ask you to bless 
Lord, you've showed us that you are an organized God. You, you encouraged David to be able to list and organize the tabernacle and the temple and help Solomon get that taken care of. And we just thank you. Help us to learn to stay organized. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you, and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23, we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10, 9-8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this. God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431.